Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Well, Eric Bilstadt, I'm telling you, sometimes when I talk about stuff, you got to pay attention because I, I come this way but once. Do you remember last year there was the big news stories about the, the, the hot one of the hot products was the Peloton bikes? Oh yeah, remember? And these were these were the you know of course during the pandemic, what happened is all the gyms were closed and so people weren't able to get out and so people were were buying home exercise equipment mm-hmm. and the the really hot topic and the hot thing was these Peloton both the, the stationary bicycles and also their their treadmills yep. and what happened is that the feature was it had an interactive component it had like a computer screen on there and you could interact and you could do these workouts with all sorts mm-hmm. of other people you got an instructor talking right, right, to you got an instructor stuff, talking yeah. out and and the the catch was that a, an exercise machine like a treadmill where you could get a really really high quality treadmill for like a thousand bucks Peloton was charging four thousand dollars for for the treadmills and more for the bikes, and and they were backlogged. I mean, you know, people. They, first of all, they got in trouble because so many people kept ordering these things, and and they, they couldn't make keep, they couldn't keep up with the demand. So not only were you paying thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for a, a treadmill or for a stationary bike, but then you couldn't get it for mm-hmm. like four or five months. Remember all that, that oh, stuff? Oh yeah, I remember. All right. Well, Peloton is back in the news today. Peloton is recalling all of its Tread Plus and Tread Mills, the Tread Treadmills, that's what they call them, that were sold between um, November and March because of unreasonable hazards. Um, apparently, and the Consumer Product Safety Commission was coming down on them, and Peloton started to fight this. Now, this is the treadmill. This isn't the stationary bike. But you know that apparently what was happening is that that big computer screen, that, that big monitor, mm-hmm. it would fall off and hit pets and oh, children yeah. and things of the like. It yeah. would just fall off. And Peloton's initial response was, well, well, don't have kids or pets around the thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, which is, and so then, as it turns out, so okay, the first problem was that those big computer screens would fall off. The second problem is that apparently their their treadmill is designed differently than than most treadmills are. And without going too deep into the weeds, it's just it, it has it has a different sort of design to it. And apparently, dozens of People, pets, and children were being sucked under the, the treadmill because apparently it was easy for kids to get on it and to activate it and then or pets or whatever, and they'd get sucked onto it. So, I mean, they've had dozens and dozens and dozens of people who were injured by this as well. 72 reports of adults, children's pets, and objects being pulled under the rear of the treadmill. 29 involved children, including a 6-year-old boy who died. After the death of the child, the company... <clears throat> urge users to keep the products where children can't get them. Yeah. <laughs> the treadmill. Right, that's, yeah. right, that, that, that's, that's the response. Yeah, the tre- for, the, for the pets. Okay, put it somewhere where the kids and the dog can't get in there. So um, Peloton initially fought this and now has decided, okay, that they're going to back off. So part of their recall, they are apologizing, too, for not acting sooner on this. So well, yeah. the, the backlash 
for just kind of hanging out and saying, ah, no, 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 don't bring the kids in the room. That, yeah. that clearly <laughs> yeah. right. has them now trying to... Well, right, right, exactly. So, their way out so this it. idea is for people who pay, you know, these treadmills, 4250 bucks, which... I, look, I never tell people how to spend their money, but I think you can make an argument that if you got 4200 bucks to pay on a treadmill, it's God's way of telling you that you got too damn much money. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying that. But so now you, you've spent 40, you've spent $4,250 on a treadmill that you have to wait like six or eight months to yeah. get. And then once you get it, now you can't use it because the computer screen can fall off and kill your child or, you know, yeah. your dog can get sucked under the thing. Uh, Peloton stock way down. I have uh, I have many many friends who have the bike and they swear by it. They say it is the most amazing thing. It gets them going on it all the time. They actually find themselves wanting to exercise, whereas before that wasn't the case. So that, I don't know anything about the treadmills, but the bikes I know are very popular among people my age. Um, well, there <clears throat> there there you go, and that's and again this is the treadmill. It's not the right, bike, right. at least at this point in time. So, but nevertheless. You might want to not make sure that your little dog isn't under the treadmill, isn't under the bike, because who knows what could happen. Anyhow, Peloton stock down big as a result of that. All right, a lot of ground to cover on today's program. Let us get started. Here is the story. They estimate that sometime by the end of the week, the Food and Drug Administration will grant expanded emergency use authorization, which will allow children as young as 12 to receive the coronavirus vaccine developed by Pfizer. Now, I think, as we all know, that there's three vaccines that are in play in the United States. One is Pfizer. That's the one I got. You get the first shot. Then you come back three weeks later. You get the second shot. The second one is Moderna. You get the shot. You come back later. You, four weeks later, you get the second shot. And the third is the Johnson & Johnson shot that's been very controversial. They, they put a pause on that. The advantage to the J&J shot is you only need one shot. You only need one dose, and then you're set. There was a suspension for about 10 days or so because it was tied to a, a very, very small number of blood clots. I think out of like 7 million doses that they found 15 women who received blood clots and one who passed away. But anyhow, now J&J is back on the market as well. At least you can get it. But sometime this week, it appears that uh, children, that is 12 and up, will be able to get the vaccine as well. That's always been sort of one of the weak spots. We've concentrated on getting adults vaccinated, and we've particularly prioritized trying to get older adults who are more susceptible to having bad things happen if they get COVID. Let's tee this up. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, it's easy for me to say this because, I, I mean, I don't have children. But if I did have children or if uh, my stepkids asked me, you know, gee, Jeff, what do you think? Should we should we have our kids your grandkids? Should we have them vaccinated? My answer, my answer would be, yeah, as long as long as the pediatrician says that there's no reason that there's no history that the kid has of allergic reactions to different things. But, yeah, I, I would I would have the kids vaccinated. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What would you do? What maybe will you do now that teenagers and, um, you know, preteens up to the age of 12, now that it appears that they will be able to get vaccinated as well, will you have your kids vaccinated? Should people have their kids vaccinated? 855-616-1620. We discuss in just a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. It appears that sometime this week, the FDA will allow children as young as 12 to receive the Pfizer um, anti-COVID vaccine. This is the vaccine that you get, and you get the second one three weeks apart. The idea is, well, even though you don't have a lot of kids that get COVID, that's as more and more people get vaccinated. That's where one of the the groups is. It's the younger people. The good news is, generally speaking, most kids, if you get COVID, it is mild. Not to say that you can't have an adverse reaction, but generally for otherwise healthy kids, you know, COVID isn't going to be a death sentence. Nevertheless, if you want to stop the spread, you know, you, you want you would want people to get vaccinated. But this isn't adults. This is now children. Would you have your kids get the vaccine? Let's talk to Amelia in Milwaukee. Amelia on WTMJ. Hi. Hi. So, yes, I have a 17-year-old who is fully vaccinated a 15-year-old who is going to get vaccinated as soon as she can, and an 11-year-old who I will get her vaccinated as soon as I can. I think that protecting them is worth any risk. That there's a risk to anything. There's a risk to getting into a car. Mm-hmm. But protecting them from COVID, even if it's a mild case that they would have gotten, is worth getting them vaccinated and protected. Um, do you do your kids? And it's also protecting other people, right? Do your kids get uh, do you get do you have other shots to get the like flu shots and stuff? Do they get, I don't even know. Do they give flu shots to yes. teenagers? They do. So your your kids get yes. their vaccinations on a regular basis, and have never. Um, I have a number of texts here from people who are saying that they are concerned about the potential long term consequence, potential long term stuff that we don't know about. And the argument is, given the very, very minor risk that a child is going to have an adverse, even if they get COVID, the chances that they're going to get really, really sick and have to be hospitalized is very, very remote. And some people are saying, well, they just don't think it's a good balancing. We don't know enough about this. You don't have a problem with that. Well, no, because the other thing that we don't know about, but what we're seeing are what's the long-term adverse of getting COVID. Right. And we are seeing that, and we are seeing that in adults, and we don't know how bad it's going to be for children. So you have to consider that as well. So protecting them from those long-term adverse, which we're, we mm-hmm. are seeing already, seems <laughs> to me as that's a bigger concern and more of something that I need to be careful about and considering protecting my children. I also, I mean, I, I will admit a bias. My late grandfather was a biochemist uh, mm-hmm. who was specifically in the medical field. He was he worked for university, but he was recruited by pharmacies all the time. This was right. his area. Right. I know what goes into creating vaccines. I know people are like, oh, this is a brand new vaccine. No, it's not a brand new vaccine. This vaccine was in the making for a while because COVID and other strains were there. They were just able to tweak it. Tweak it, right? Yeah. So I do know that research has been put into this vaccine, and I know what type of research is put into vaccines. Right. Got it. Okay. Good enough. No, I got it. Thanks for calling me. I appreciate appreciate the call. 855-616-1620. This is, of course, you know, for for grownups, for adults, it's a decision that you make 
on your own. This is a decision that you are making for your children. Okay, here's a text. You can still get COVID with the vaccine. Yet yeah, you can, but the chances of that are extremely, extremely remote. Jeff, no way. It's not FDA approved yet. There's no long-term data on the various shots. Jeff, if you follow the science, you'll see that only 100 adolescents under 18 have lost their lives to COVID. I would never give the vaccine to my child based on those numbers. Jeff, all along, I've agreed with your premise that the vaccine should have been handed out based on age from oldest to youngest. It seems to make all the sense in the world. To that end, it seems that there is so little impact from COVID on school aged children that I don't think that I would vaccinate them. Jeff, when hell freezes over, no way would I subject my kids to that. Remember, no one knows what, if any, long term effects there are with these. Jeff, absolutely not. My wife and I are not vaccinated, nor or will we be? Our six-year-old won't get it either. The stuff's not proven safe, and we have no long-term information. No thank you. Well, that's, I guess, that, I, obviously, if as, as, a, as an adult, if you've made the decision for whatever reason that you're not going to get vaccinated, well, then, then I guess it's sort of an easy thing. If you decided that, hey, at the age of 35 or 40 or whatever, that you're not going to get a vaccination, well, I understand why you're not going to send your 14-year-old kid in to get vaccinated. I think the more interesting one in some respects is for the people who, as adults, have made the decision that they, they get vaccinated, so they've had their shots or whatever. They're, I'm really curious as to how many of those people would say, okay, even though I've gotten it for myself as an adult, I'm not going to allow my kids to get it. And look, I, I'm not an anti-vax guy. And if 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 the doctor says it's okay for my fourteen for my fourteen year old grandson, for example, I, I, that, then I'm I, I follow I follow what the doctors do. I, I do think it is it's a more complicated thing though because again, you you always do the, like the kind of the risk benefit thing. And the reality is, while while Kids can get it, and while kids can spread it, in the vast majority of cases, unlike the 85-year-old woman who's obese and has heart problems and diabetes who gets COVID, and it can be something that's a life-ending thing, typically the, the healthy 15-year-old who gets it is is not going to have that sort of reaction. But, of course, nobody wants to get sick. Um, Jeff, I made... At a point, I um, I made an experimental aircraft. Would you like to take a ride in it? Well, okay. Is is that the same thing? I mean, I guess that's the question. Is is somebody making? Hey, I've I've just I've just I've made a plane in in my backyard. And I'm going to go take a flight with it. Is that really the same as saying, okay, you know, we've had all these scientists that are working on this, um, Jeff? Long hauler side effects are the worst. I would say to people, give the vaccine. Um, Jeff, let's just give the kids uh, shingle shots then. Well, we don't give the kids shingle shots as far as I know. Jeff, I'm on board. Get the kids vaccinated. Jeff, some people don't like to be told what they should do. Well, to me, these aren't. Get, th- this is ultimately going to be a choice that, that the parents are going to make as to whether you're going to do it or not. My guess is, first of all, obviously, if you're in that 30 to 35 percent of adults who've decided that you're not going to get the vaccine, you're not going to have your kids get the vaccine. I would say my guess is probably half to three quarters of the adults who've made the decision to get the vaccine, they'll they'll get they'll get have their kids be vaccinated. Um, you know, that's. 
that's kind of my sense of this. But you know, we'll you know we'll we'll see how this works out. Um, Jeff, there are there's some information circling around, likely most inf- might misinformation that the vaccine can cause problems in fertility, etc. I don't necessarily believe this, but it still makes you think twice about vaccinating your teenager, and that's why I think, you know, you just like with with anything you. If you were, if it were me, and it was my kid, you, you sit down, you have a conversation with with the doctor, and you say to the doctor who's been you know treating your child, you know, hopefully since birth, hey, what what do you think? What's the literature? And, and then you make an informed decision based on that. It will be interesting to see these numbers because one of the big arguments has been, well, part of the reason we can never get to herd immunity and we can't start again taking off our masks and we can't start socializing is because well, kids might spread it. Well, this this is an option to take that argument away. Will people do it? Don't know. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We often talk about the, the disconnect from a, a lot of the, the talking heads that you see on television and real people. And, and that that's just, you, you see that, you see that in, in politics, you see it in sports, and I think it's playing out in a sports story. If you watch a lot of the national or listen to a lot of the national talk shows, now I'm not talking about, you know, what, but for example, what you know, my teammates down the hall do. But if you turn on ESPN and you listen to the discussion about the, the Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers debacle, what you have is lots and lots of people, maybe because they're former players, maybe because they just have relationships with Rodgers, maybe they you know d- depend on having a good relationship with Rodgers, you know, moving forward, very very sympathetic to him. It's very very. As a general rule, there are some exceptions, but it's very, very anti-Packers. It's, oh, Aaron Rodgers is a special player. The Packers should have done everything they possibly could to accommodate him. How dare they not consult with him before they drafted a guy who might replace him three or four years down the road? What an insult it was to make him the highest paid player in football and give him all that money up front and then not give him even more when he started to express his upset, how upset he was. How awful was it that the the general manager decided to cut like the fifth wide receiver on the team, you know, without consulting with him first. And and Aaron Rodgers, the argument that you hear on some of the national talking head shows is Aaron Rodgers has all the cards. I mean, Green, Green Bay's got to got to do whatever he wants. To which I'm thinking, you know, what what world do you folks live in? Aaron Rodgers is under contract, and the bottom line is, if he doesn't want to play for the Packers, now if they can trade him and get a lot of stuff, then trade him and get a lot of stuff. But if he doesn't want to play and he wants to be Mr. Shailene Woodley and sit around at the age of 37 and 38 and lose a couple years of his career while he's waiting for his contract to end, well, okay, but I don't see Aaron Rodgers doing it. But anyhow, you, you get the, the perception that Aaron Rodgers is the victim of all this. That's on the National Talking Head shows. My sense, talking to you and people that I, I in my social circles, is not a lot of sympathy for Aaron Rodgers. The this, and I've said this before, this is different to me than the Brett Favre situation. And I know on our sister radio station, Brett Favre did a forty-five minute interview, and you'll hear clips of that during the day. But when when Brett Favre when Brett Favre was was forced out with the Packers. I was doing a radio show at the time on on TMJ, and my sense was the callers, it was about 50-50. About 50% of the people were supporting the Packers, hey, it's time to move on, and 50% were supporting Favre. What was different in that situation is Favre was fighting, the the Packers wanted him to retire. The Packers wanted to move on from Brett Favre, and Brett Favre said he wanted to stay. 
And so that that was, and I understand that you know he went ultimately got traded to New York and came back and played for Minnesota, and that created a rift for a few years. But but it was different. It wasn't Favre trying to force his way out of Green Bay or saying, "Hey, I want you to fire the coach or fire the general manager or I want you to let me make the personnel decisions." It it was a different situation. In this case, again, if you you know believe the all the attention, you know Aaron Rodgers thinks he's bigger than the team. He wants the general manager to be fired. He's he's upset despite the fact that they're paying him all this money. His nose is still out of joint, and he's the one who's trying to force his way out of Green Bay or essentially make Green Bay turn over the franchise to him and make all sorts of determinations. It's a different situation than Favre. And as I've been telling people since this story broke at the end of last week, when we have discussed it on the program, the the calls and the texts I get, and I don't know if that's necessarily a representative sample, but we're talking hundreds and hundreds. It's not, trust me, it's not a small sample. The the calls and texts I get are probably 85 to 90 pro-Packers as opposed to, you know, um, as opposed to pro-Rogers. All right, so here's what happens last night up in Appleton. You've got the Brewers minor league baseball team. Um, last night was the, the first night for, for minor league baseball. So it was like the opening night up in Appleton for the minor league baseball team. What happens is Aaron Rodgers does all sorts of ads. You've seen with the National State Farm ads and things like that. So it's the Timber Rattlers. They're, they're up in Appleton. And during, um, during between innings, what they'll do is they'll, they'll run ads. There's an automobile dealer in the um, Fox Valley. It's, it's Bergstrom Automotive. Um, big, big car dealer. Sell cars all over, all over the state. But they're particularly big in the Fox Valley. So... During one of the breaks between innings, on the big screen, they show an ad that uh, features Aaron Rodgers for Brookstrom Automotive. And apparently what happens, and we, we don't know how many people did this, but apparently, audibly, lots of people started booing Aaron Rodgers when he appeared on this commercial on, on the big screen. Now, this this isn't him being booed in Philadelphia. This isn't him being booed um, uh, in, in New York. This is Aaron Rodgers you know, in Appleton appearing in a commercial, and at least some of the fans are booing him. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Is the relationship between the fans and Aaron Rodgers, at least Packers fans and Aaron Rodgers, is it irretrievably broken? Um, do you care if he comes back? You know, would uh, given the way this has happened with him, all right, would, would you be inclined to boo him or to boo commercials that he appears in? Or is this just, well, it's just Aaron being Aaron. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't know that I would boo him because I, I just I don't boo anybody as a general rule. It's just not who I am. At the same time, though, I think... I think that Aaron Rodgers has damaged himself with Packers fans, perhaps irreparably. And and I think that there's a lot of people, even if he decides he wants to come back, and even if they can work out some kiss and make up sort of deal, I think that this, 
I think all the stuff that's happened over the last few days has taken what was took 16 years to build up, 16 years of goodwill, and has essentially flushed it down the toilet. And if Aaron Rodgers comes back and plays for the Packers and doesn't have an MVP quality year, I think it could, in fact, get ugly. If he's just average and throws a few more interceptions and has a couple more fumbles and stuff, I, I think... I think any forgiveness, any wiggle room that he's had is gone. Yeah, I understand why people booed him. Would I have done it? No, but I think he has damaged, I think he's damaged goods as far as Wisconsin sports fans go in a way that Brett Favre really never was. 855-616-1620. What do you think? We discuss in a moment. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I will tell you, I think Aaron Rodgers has significantly damaged his brand in Wisconsin, a brand that took him 16 years to build up by all the, the antics of the last few days. And I, I say that not just based on the interactions I have with people in my life and all the different texts and phone calls I get from you, but also you got people booing him when a commercial featuring him appears on a minor league baseball sta- uh, t- uh, scoreboard last night. Uh, Jeff in Manitowoc. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Yes, sir. How are you today? I am well, thank you. Okay, has Rogers hurt his brand? Um, personally, I don't understand how he could ever let his mouth open to say such ridiculous foolishness in that has he he's 16 years here in this area, doesn't understand how rabid yeah. Green Bay Packers are. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, con- I... I'm, I'm thoroughly confused that you could... No, nope, I can't. Nope, nope, nope. Can't let you. Yeah. Can't let you. I'm sorry. Can't let you say that. We 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 took that out there. Can't let you. Can't let you say that. Even though you apologize for your 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 French. Um, um, okay. Here here's the. Let, let's go to a couple of texts. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, let's see. It's just people being people. Believe it or not, there are people listening to your show that boo you. Well, yeah, I'm not Aaron Rodgers. But, I, but look, I, I understand that. Um, Jeff, he has lost every bit of credibility. I would boo him in a heartbeat. He could have an MVP-type season again. I would still boo him. Um, Jeff, in regards to Aaron Rodgers, when the news broke last week, I was sympathetic at first. Since then, Aaron has egged this on by sending texts to players, talking to sports reporters, but won't actually talk behind a camera himself. I think he is, um, I, I think, you know, he is enjoying this. He has no reason to be acting out this way. He's getting paid billions of dollars. He's playing Joe Hollywood instead of focusing on football. His legacy has been tainted here in Green Bay. And unless he plays out his contract and gets Green Bay another ring, Lambeau won't be so kind. See, that raises another interesting point that's here with this. And that question is, all right, let's say he comes back. Let's say, like I say, he makes nice and and somehow you you kind of patch this all over. And he goes on to have an, an average season. You know, it's not the MVP quality season. Maybe he starts... And look, here, here's the bottom line with all this. You, you got to understand, Tom Brady notwithstanding, you have players who, as they age, 
at some point in time, your skills atrophy. That that's just the, the reality. That that's what happens. It's why you know players retire after a certain age. Now, I'm not predicting that where that's going to happen, to Aaron Rodgers. But you know, quarterbacks at his age suddenly you can start to have a huge fall off or fall off or whatever. So let's say he comes back now, plays for the Packers. You try to make nice, but he has an average year instead of forty touchdowns and five interceptions. It's twenty five touchdowns and fifteen interceptions and some fumbles or whatever. Um, I'm telling you, I think that the crowd, a lot of the goodwill that he's built up has gone down the windows. Yes, I would boo Aaron Rodgers. Jeff, Aaron Rodgers should be happy with his contract and all the tens of millions of dollars that he's received. Um, it's like if, if for most people, just you get the MVP and you start whining about it. It's time for Aaron to pull up his big boy pants and act like a man. Um, well, that's it. Jeff, we're done with Rogers. Release him. Well, no, I, I, I wouldn't release him. I would if you can trade him and you can get market value for him, well, then you do that. If he decides, and this is one of the things that Brett Favre was saying, Brett Favre was saying, hey, you know, I, I think he just might be willing to sit out stuff. And Okay, well, if you, if you can't get a fair deal, then you let him sit out. That That's fine. You know, let him sit out there in California and see how he likes it, because the truth of the matter is he's only got a few years left. He's not going to sit out. And he, he's just... He's not going to do that. If you have a career that's maybe got three or four years left, you're are, just to prove a point. Are, are you going to sit out for a year or two years or three years? Um, Jeff, um, there, I was there at the game you're talking about last night. Because of capacity limits, there really weren't that many people in the stadium. That being said, it was a resounding boo. It was a resounding boo. Um, Jeff, for sure that I would, um, I would boo him. Jeff, uh, Rogers is nothing but a big baby. Let him go. I don't care. Let's talk to Jim in New Berlin. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. You know, I, I look at it this way. Whether he stays or whether he goes, I think he's damaged as far as people's opinion of him. Yeah. You know, I think he's, I think he has gotten to be kind of somewhat spoiled and what he thinks he can do. But in the long run, what we think doesn't matter. He's going to do what he wants to do. And, yeah. you know, we don't, we, don't, we don't care. And I guess at this point, we don't care. Yeah, well, I guess you, is, you know, is that... Here, you're there. Right. Is that the, is that the case? In, in the PR battle that, that's going on, and a lot of the stuff that's playing out there in the media is, is kind of a public relations battle, you think the Packers are winning? You think Rodgers is winning? At least among Wisconsin sports uh, fans. I, I think they're both losing, uh, yeah. really. Uh, the Packers, you know, eventually they got to decide to do something with them, which they probably already have. Yeah. And he already knows what he's going to do. And it's, I think it's just uh, there's enough information there. We yeah. all know where it's going. So yeah. and you would have to really stand in front of a camera and say, excuse me, I never said any of this. And, and that's not, not going to happen. And I'm staying here. I'm happy. But that's right. not going to happen. That's not good. Right. Th- thanks. We'll for more money than three of us together. Right. That, 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 that's not going to happen. Now, Jeff, I, here's a text. It's true. And I agree with you that he's hurt his brand in Wisconsin, but I don't think so nationally. If he ends up playing or retiring in a larger market like Southern California, he's going to be just fine. For better or worse, Green Bay, the Milwaukee market, Wisconsin just doesn't have the clout of a Hollywood and an L.A. Well, I think that that's an interesting um, thing. Jeff, Brett Favre loved the game of football. He loved playing the game more than anyone. That's why Packers fans adored him. Rodgers has no such love for the game. I think he's 
damaged. Um, I would never want to have lunch with him. Huh, that's interesting. Jeff, I never liked him since he threw McCarthy under the bus. As far as I'm concerned, see you later, Aaron. Jeff, my hope is that Jeopardy executives making the decision to pick a replacement, look at Roger's behavior, and take note that he may um, act like this again if he whines and he doesn't get his way with a Jeopardy contract years from now. Now, let me just say this about Jeopardy. I, I... I understand the ratings went up slightly when, when Aaron Rodgers was on there. And I, I thought, as I said at the time, I, I thought he did a, a fine job and maybe he exceeded expectations. But it, it's, I think a lot of the reasons there was a slight ratings bump, it was just a curiosity. You know, you had this kind of crossover thing. Let's see how the football player does. My guess is when they get around to selecting the permanent Jeopardy host, it's going to be somebody with extensive television experience because that's but but again that that's if if you're if you're a pro football player and you've got a limited amount of time left on your career you you can do TV for the rest of your life i mean are you going to really say all right i've got a couple of years left i'm going to i'm going to sit this out i'm going to walk away from the game no i don't uh I don't want to do that. Um, like you said last week, yeah, I, I had my, my two words. Screw you, Mr. Arrogant Rogers. Um, <laughs> well, there, there is, there is an element to that. Jeff, if Rogers doesn't want to be here, trade him. And if he's that disgruntled, I believe the Packers should not retire his number. Also, not put him in the Packers Hall of Fame. Well, that's a question for another day. Okay, I, I'm. We're going to move on from this. I know we're going to be revisiting this issue over over time. Brett Favre did an interview, like I say, with my teammates down the road on ESPN today, and yeah, he essentially said that he just doesn't see him coming back. My my only message and my sense is this, and it, it kind of played out yesterday. If fans were booing him, I think in the the battle, the PR battle between the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, I, I think the fans, including this fan, is on the side of the Packers in this case. And it is amazing to me, and there is an object lesson. Aaron Rodgers spent 16 years building this brand image and creating this image, and he pees it away in the space of three or four days. It's an object lesson to everybody how how quickly, you know, how the mighty can fall. And I think at least in a PR perspective in Wisconsin, the mighty has fallen pretty darn far. Back with more in just a couple minutes. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I had to chuckle a little bit during Mike Spalding's newscast. Where, again, Brett Farr spent 45 minutes with our, our teammates on, on ESPN this morning, uh, Tausch and Wilde. And one of the things they asked him is, did you, did you ever want to be in the draft room? I, and and Farr was, well, of course, of course not. I mean, I'm trying to picture Brett Favre in, in the, the draft room on draft night. I mean, can you imagine? I, I, all I could think of was the old Jeff Foxworthy bit about how you might be a redneck. And he'd always say, if you've ever taken a beer to a job interview, you might be a redneck. I, I could see them inviting Favre in and Favre. You could just see him walking in with like a corduroy sport coat on or something and reaching into the pockets and pulling out a couple cans of beer. That that's that 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 would be Brett Favre, you know, in the draft room. But Brett Favre didn't. Brett Favre wasn't going to be the general manager. This whole idea that you you can allow the the players, whether it's football or baseball or any sort of real industry, the whole idea that you can let one person be bigger than the team just is beyond me. And and I think sometimes there's people who think that there there should be that that entitlement. Gee, um, let me think of an example. Somebody's leaving WTMJ. So, gee, Jeff, uh, Charlie Sykes left WTMJ five years ago. 
well, we, we, we want you in the room when we're interviewing all the people to replace him. Well, no. And, and, and I, I get upset if I'm not in the room. No, it's, if people ask my opinion, that's fine. But I, I don't get paid to make those decisions. That's not what I do. I get paid to, to do a, a radio show and other people get paid to make personnel decisions. And the same thing is probably true in your life as well. I mean, maybe, you know, management can reach out and they can solicit your opinion and, hey, what do you think would, what would you think would help? And, you know, what, what could we do to make this a better workplace or what do you think we could do what do you think we should be looking for in the next teammate or whatever but at the end of the day there's other people that get paid a lot of money to make those sorts of decisions you know do your job and and that's i think that's where a lot of people just are are looking at what's going on just kind of rolling their eyes if you want more background on that story we were talking about the booing up in appleton yesterday um I, i did send out a link to the story as it appears in the uh, Journal Sentinel, sent it out on Twitter. If you could follow me, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. And uh, again, the the upshot to me, the second and third day story continues to be, as I said, it's amazing how much damage Aaron Rodgers has done to his brand, at least in Wisconsin, over the last few days. 16 years of goodwill largely flushed down the you-know-what in less than a week. Now, he probably doesn't care, but but wow. It's just, again, and, and this is the object lesson for Everybody that's out there, you can you you can really it takes you years and years and years to, to build stuff up and then you can do one thing or you can do a series of things and, and suddenly all that goodwill can, can be lost, at least in the eyes of a lot of people. And that's something I think for a lot of people to remember. All right. I want to completely and totally switch gears. This is a it's perhaps a small story in the scheme of things, but it leads to some of these larger points that I, I love to discuss. All right, here is the deal. In Milwaukee County this summer, more and more pools and beaches will be closed or will have limited hours. And it's not because of COVID. What it's because of is that Milwaukee County has a major lifeguard shortage. So here's the deal. To give you an idea, in 2019, the county had 135 lifeguards, you know, at pools and beaches and things of the like. In 2020, which, again, last year was the, the kind of COVID year, they had 80 lifeguards. As of mid-April, mid-April for the 2021 season, they have only 52 lifeguards that are ready for this summer. So let's put that in perspective. 2019, 135 down to just 52 lifeguards this year. And, of course, the, the shortage has a, has a huge impact on swimming facilities because if, if you don't have lifeguards, well, the Park Service has to reduce public swimming hours and close various facilities. To operate the entire aquatic system safely, the department needs to hire approximately 210 lifeguards. That's what they say. They need 210. They've got 52. Now, the question, and this is, it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing issue, and in fairness, it's not unique to Milwaukee County, which is why I, I think there's this larger issue that's out there. But they, they can't, they can't find people, particularly young people, to do this during the summer. Now, here's the deal. Um, summer lifeguards can work up to 40 hours per week, mornings, afternoons, evenings, weekdays, and weekends. If you are a first-year lifeguard, you make 
you make, uh, let's see, you used to make $10.46 an hour. I think that's an old number. I think if you are a first-year lifeguard, what happens is you make um, you make a, around $12, $12.70. That's what it starts at, twelve seventy up to about fourteen seventy four an hour. If you are the head lifeguard, the supervisor, you make seventeen to nineteen dollars an hour. So it, it's it's good pay. I mean, comparatively, admittedly, it's not fifteen dollars an hour, but it's twelve dollars and sixty nine cents. This is a job that's partic- that's typically staffed by high school kids, or it's staffed by you know college kids. But it it, it pays it pays a decent wage. You're outside. You're in a decent environment. I mean, it's not like you're working in 110 degree heat on, on some roof or something like that. It as as far as desirability goes, it's it's not that bad. And I would argue that again, you know, that the pay isn't that bad, starting around twelve fifty an hour for, you know, a beginning lifeguard. And yet they cannot find people who are willing to do the job. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, I don't mean to date myself, and I understand when I talk about some of these things, uh, occasionally I find myself to be a lifeguard, uh, to be a, a dinosaur. But but being a lifeguard, you know, years ago, this would be an incredibly desirable sort of, of job. I mean, it, it's not, it, it's important, but it's not like it's heavy-duty physical labor. You're not working in 120-degree heat in a factory or something like that. It's, it, it's, it is desirable. You're working for the county. And the pay is not bad, particularly for a summer sort of job. And they can't find people to do it. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think the, the takeaway of this isn't that the jobs are bad. It's not that you, you know, the county needs to pay more money. I think it's a fair wage. I think the reality is that you have young people in particular who just flat out don't want to work. They're not being pushed into having to work. And so they turn up their nose at doing jobs like this, even jobs that might be desirable. Why is there a lifeguard shortage? And does this raise this larger issue of people just simply not wanting to work? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. If you're just tuning in, these numbers are absolutely staggering. To, to keep all the aquatic facilities, the pools and beaches in Milwaukee County open that during the summer, you need 210 lifeguards. Starting salary, it's it, the salary. It starts at like twelve fifty an hour, and you know you can make up to like fourteen and a half bucks an hour if you're the, the supervisor. You make like sixteen to nineteen. So it, it's not a poorly paid job. Um, I, you would think it would be a fun job. Right now, as of as of mid April, they got fifty two lifeguards. They need two ten. That's down two years ago. They had a hundred and thirty five. Now they got fifty two. They cannot find people who do these jobs. Jeff, I'm one of the dinosaurs you're referring to. I was a lifeguard. There was fierce competition back in the day for those jobs. I'd love doing it. I taught others to swim. I saved a life once, and I did it all through college because it was so fun. I think it's an absolutely great job, or at least it was a great job, and now you can't find people that are willing to do that. And and by the way, I don't mean to pick on Milwaukee County. It's Apparently, there's a, a nationwide shortage of this, but is it because people don't want to be lifeguards, or is it because, well, people just don't want to work, and we're not pressuring them to work. Vincent on the northwest side. Hi, Vincent. 
Good afternoon. Hi. I think it's just a case of young people, they just don't want to work. Uh, the fact is, it's not just lifeguards. When you look up, uh, when you even go up to the Dells, the fact is they have to import individuals just to work at the Dells. They don't even have to get into the water, and they still can't find people. You look at the yeah. uh, different restaurants that are out here who, who are begging for people yeah. to come in and work, and they can't find workers. It's, uh, and and, and uh, back in the day uh, uh, when I was coming up, man, we used to walk around, especially in the summertime, we would walk around with a lawnmower cutting people's grass, <laughs> yeah. cutting people's lawns just to make a little extra money during the, during the, uh, uh, during the summer. It's just that and you can't even find any young people. Right. They're running around in the street. They're riding right. their bikes, whatever they're doing, uh, on the computers. And you can't find a young person to come out and say, hey, I want to cut your grass. Yeah. Can I cut your grass for you? So I just think it, it whatever, whichever, how these young people were raised or just something in them, they do not want to work. Yeah, because the job, I mean, the, the jobs are out there. You know, it's, I, I've, I've told the story there. before, Vincent. I have a, I have a friend who owns a bunch of, of fast food restaurants. And, you know, whenever we talk about the minimum wage, and I don't want to get off on that, but he's like, he's like, wait, the, the minimum wage in Wisconsin doesn't matter because he, he doesn't pay minimum wage. So you can't find people. I mean, I think at his place, they, they start off people like somebody who's 16 years old with no experience at all starts out at 12 or $13 because that's what you have to pay to get people to even yeah. maybe come back the second day. And, and then, then you of course can go up from there. So it, it it's not like oh you're only paying eight bucks an hour. It, it's I think it's not the money. It's maybe this bigger issue that you're kind of alluding to. Yeah, I, I just think that they just don't. And, and 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 when you talk to young people and they always they they seem like they always want something, but they never want to. They don't seem like they want to work for it. Right. It's always an excuse. They just don't want to go out and work for it, and it, and it's unbelievable to me. Right. No. Think right at, at at a job that look I look do do I. You know, do do I do I want to work at at a, at a fast food restaurant now? No, but was that the type of job that when I was sixteen years old I would have been glad to have? A- absolutely. I mean, it's it wasn't it wasn't going to be my career necessarily, but it would have been something I would have done to make money. My my first job there used I've told this story before. There used to be a, a J C Penney's. They're they're their sort of outlet store was called Treasure Island, and there used to be a Treasure Island store on uh, Brown Deer Road and Highway 57, Green Bay Road in, in Brown Deer. Um, I forget what it is now. The, the store is long gone. But, I mean, I, I my first my first job, other than shoveling snow and delivering papers and stuff like that when I was 16, is I, I, I worked, you know, stocking shelves in the toy department and things like that and in the pet department and stuff. And it wasn't glamorous. It wasn't glorious. But I, I, I made money, and it taught me that, hey, you know, it really taught me to appreciate money because then you'd sit there and think how long you have to work to get this money. Jeff, my son and his best friend were both lifeguards, but my son now works at Quick Trip for $14 an hour and his friend at Target for 15. It's better, he says, because being a lifeguard is just being a glorified babysitter. Well, I think, and I, I am getting a couple, I am getting a couple texts like that that are saying, well, Jeff, lifeguard, maybe back in your day, it was a better job. Now what happens is lifeguards, parents just like kind of dump their kids at the pools and go away and the kids are disrespectful and it's not that great a job. Jeff, it's not the job. It's not the pay. It's not the hours. I believe it's the location. Well, I, I'm not, no, I mean, you're at the beach. I mean, I don't, I don't know that that's the case. I mean, yeah, I'm sure that there's a, a couple 
a couple facilities where maybe it's not the most desirable location. But but in general, I mean, it's it's Milwaukee County and it's the Milwaukee County Park System. Jeff, I'm in my 20s. I was a lifeguard in high school for a couple months. It was the worst job I had. The training was fun, but once you get the job, it's painfully boring. A two-hour shift feels like a lifetime. All you do is just sit, stare, yell at people. At some point, you almost want to have to save someone. I took a pay cut to go back to a fast food job, which was a faster pay. Also, nowadays, you can make the same wage at fast food or department stores. I don't know. I, 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 th- that's an interesting take on to me that, you know, given that we have you know people who sit around all day and just stare at their phones. Now, you can't stare at your phone when you're the lifeguard. But I don't know. that It's just so terrible that you're sitting there essentially telling people, hey, kids, you know, don't act up uh, with the pool. Let's talk to, let's see, we've got Mel in Brown Deer. You're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. What do you think? Uh, first, uh, first of all, I'm a higher pay advocate, so let me get that out there. Uh, supply and demand, the demand for those individuals increases the pay need. They should be popping 19.50 an hour. It is not 19.74. Those uh, you just have to go up higher with the pay. The second part is training. So let's train 14, 15-year-olds in the boys and girls clubs that have pools and the YMCAs that have pools, and let's uh, contract with some private pools and train these individuals so when they're ready to go, they'll be trained, uh, and you can slot them into the positions that are needed. You do need do you re- think? Do you think if they up the pay? Let's go back to your first point. Do you think if they up the pay to eighteen bucks an hour instead of thirteen bucks an hour, you think that the shortage would go away? Um, you know, I'm here for higher pay. So, um, you know, whatever, whatever gets it, that that's where I'm coming. Well, I mean, th- th- thanks for calling. I'm sorry, your cell phone was kind of cutting out. You said, you know, whatever gets it. Well, you, okay, at some point in time, jobs are only worth so much. And, and if the idea is we have to, the, the the effect of that is going to be, then then the counties aren't going to be, the county's not going to be able, if you have to, if you say, okay, in, in order to get people to be a lifeguard, we've got to pay 20 bucks, or we've got to pay 25 bucks an hour to get somebody to be a lifeguard, well, then the bottom line is the costs are going to go up so much that you're not going to be able to operate certain pools anyways. Um, I, I don't, but I don't know that I, I think it's just the, the pay. To me, 12 bucks an hour for a, again, a starting job that you're going to get in high school with, that requires, yes, you've got to get the certification, but it's not like you need any sort of education. It's beyond that, that training to be a lifeguard, which is however many classes it is, and I'm not minimizing that, but beyond that, it's not like you need any extensive, you, you need to be able to swim and you need to be in relatively decent shape, but, I mean, I guess I, I sit there and I hear twelve fifty or thirteen fifty or fourteen bucks doesn't strike me as being unfair for something like that. And I guess I would think that these are the type of jobs that you know mom and dad would be saying, okay, the, the choice is you're going to sit around on your butt all summer long, or you know you're going to go out and get a job. So you can pay for your car or pay for your own gasoline or pay when you go to the movies for yourself and things like that. Yeah, and by the way, the county's hiring for lifeguards. You know, you know how to swim. This would be a good experience here. I, Mom and Dad, uh, i got to tell you, Ann and Jack Wagner would be saying, okay, Jeff, what do you mean you can't find a job? This sounds like an absolutely great job. 
But it's a problem, and it's going to continue to be a problem. And actually, in many respects, the people who lose out on this are the the people in Milwaukee County because the pools aren't going to be open anywhere near as much as they otherwise would be. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So, very glad to have you with us. There are heroes among us who run towards danger rather than away from it. We call them first responders. WTMJ is partnering with Waterstone Bank, IndyCar Rev Group Grand Prix at Road America, and Heiser Automotive. We're honoring police officers, firefighters, health care providers, and countless others who work every day to protect our families and our loved ones. If you know of a first responder who deserves recognition for their duties, text the word SERVICE to the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620 or go to WTMJ.com. The deadline for your submission is this Friday, so it is coming up in just a couple days, Friday, May 7th. It's Waterstone Bank's Salute to Service on WTMJ. I wanted to mention that the news yesterday that uh, long time, and I mean long time, Bucks announcer, Jim Paschke, I mean, Jim Paschke and Johnny McLaughlin and um, were just, of course, institutions on, on Bucks broadcasts for years and years. And I, I do I do know Johnny McLaughlin. Rel- I, I, I wouldn't say they were close friends, but we know each other. He, he, he calls up every once in a while. He's a great guy to talk to, just a real class act. I, I do not know Jim Paschke, Paschke as well. I mean, I've met him on a couple occasions. But um, he announced yesterday that as this season ends, after the first round of the playoffs, because after the first round of the playoffs, all the, the stuff goes goes national. But after the first round of the playoffs, he is going to be retiring. And what's what's so remarkable uh, about that is you know, he, he's done the gig for 35 years. And I, I think, you know, you, you sort of take some of these things for, for granted in an industry where you, you have – you have turnover by its nature. You have announcers who come and announcers who go. You have broadcasters who come and go, and maybe they, they move on to different markets or they move on to different endeavors or whatever. The, the staying power is incredible. And, you know, Jim Paschke, 35 years, 35 years in the Wisconsin sports thing, 35 years as the broadcaster for the Bucks. He's also, you know, done other stuff. He was a Brewers announcer for a while as well and, you know, did stuff with Marquette and things like that, but really, you know, made his bones 35 years for the Milwaukee Bucks. And that that's incredible. And I, I give you this perspective from somebody who, you know, does, you know, broadcasting on a, on a daily basis. Um, it, it's easy to do maybe for a year or two. But after a while, to, to you know, build up the kind of rapport that the Jim Paschke had with the audience, and to have that kind of longevity, it, it's absolutely remarkable. And thirty-five years, he's seventy years old. So I mean, he's you know moving into retirement. You, I, I don't think he actually explained why he was leaving, other than the, the concept of it, it's it's just time. You know, when it's ultimately time. But um, thirty-five years, long. Long career with the Bucks, great job, a Milwaukee institution, and um, he deserves he deserves all the platitudes and all the honors that he's getting, and um, he he will in fact be missed. All right, let us switch gears. In the last segment of the program, I'm just telling you about how, in the case of Milwaukee County and nationwide, how tough it is to find people to to work for you know fourteen twelve thirteen fourteen dollars an hour starting job as as lifeguards they just can't find it and that's a common refrain if you talk to lots of 
um, employers out there, they'll tell you it it doesn't matter whether it's being a lifeguard or working at the fast food place or working retail or whatever. You can't find people who will who will work and come back the, the second day. And I don't know that it makes any difference whether you're paying 13 or $15 an hour. That's To me, that's really not the defining thing. I understand some people think, oh, if you pay everybody $15 an hour, suddenly they're going to develop a work ethic. No, I, I don't think that that's the case. And I think part of it is because there's not as much pressure nowadays to for people to work. Now, one of the things that's going on in Washington and I want to try to talk about this in a broad term and then localize it for us. One of the things that's going on now is, is we have a, a sea change for decades, Republican presidents and Democratic presidents, that the general thought was, you know, we, we, we want to encourage people to work. We, we want to end the era of big government. And we want to give people the skills and the ability to, to fend for themselves. That is changing. And I think there's no West question. One of the things you look at what Joe Biden is doing right now is he's bringing back the era of big government, the idea of cradle to grave, the government will take care of you. Now, we can always argue about what it means to be middle class. Uh, the Pew Research defines on an income basis, and there, there's other things that you can do, but if you look at you know where the bulk of Americans are, the definition they use for middle class – on an economic deposition, uh, the economic distinction and description is if if you make between fifty thousand dollars a year and a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So that's it's a broad range, but that's the range that they use for middle class. If you make less than fifty grand, and this is family income, if you make less than fifty grand, you're you're not middle class. If you make more than $150,000, you're, you're upper middle class, and then it goes from there. So it's fifty dollars to $150,000. The general thought all along has been if, if you're in the middle class and, and you're earning that kind of money, you, you should be in a position where you can take care of yourself, where, where you shouldn't have to depend on the government to, to do things or to provide things for you. That, that's been the attitude historically. That, that, is, that is changing. I mean, you look at a number of the Biden proposals, for example, and, and, and what are you looking at? The federal government providing paid family and medical leave. You know, don't, don't, don't worry about employers doing that. You know, don't try to negotiate. Don't try to find the jobs that do that. Um, don't figure out how you're going to, you know, do it yourself. The, the federal government comes in and pays fa- federal paid family and medical leave. Um, the federal government's going to provide free free uh, daycare for for three year olds. And I understand that there's some people who don't. It's 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 uh, you know it, it's pre K. Okay, well there's an educational component, but let's let's face it. It's the government saying you don't need to spend money on daycare. We will take care of that. And, and then you get the a more affordable child care. Then you get the plan that don't worry about saving money to send your kid to college. We're going to have free community college for the first couple years. And it goes on and on and on and on and on, where you have this expectation that it's the government that is going to take care of you, not just the people who are on the lowest economic strata, not just the people who, you know, are, 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 are struggling and, you know, don't, don't have that income, but it's pretty much everybody. And the idea is government will do this. It will make people's lives better 
if the government takes care of this. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're moving away from the historical view of, of safety nets. Let, let's have let's have something there to stop people when, when the really bad stuff happens or the people who are at the lowest socioeconomic rungs. And now let's have the government essentially say to people who are in the middle class, we're going to take care of you. Don't worry about, you know, spending money to send your kid to daycare. We've got it covered for you. You know, don't worry about, you know, finding a job that has medical leave. We've got it covered. Don't worry about a job that has, like, paid uh, family leave. We've got it covered for you. Don't worry about saving money to send your kid to college. We're going to take care of it. All right. Does the middle class really need that? Is this where we are in 2021 in America that we need all these government programs out there to to essentially supplement life? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And is that a good thing? We discuss in just a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. For most of my life, the, the, the overall philosophy of government was g- government exists as a safety net for those least fortunate. I mean, an economic safety net for those least fortunate among us. But as far as once you get to the middle class, and we're using the definition that Pew uses, which is fifty dollars to $150,000 in, in annual income, once you get to that point, the expectation is you, you should be able to take care of yourself. Well, well Joe Biden, that, that's not what he buys into. Joe Biden says, okay, what we need to do is we need, we need the government to take over and do a lot of this stuff that traditionally we would expect private citizens to do. Okay, taking care of your kids, don't don't worry. Once they hit three, you know, we're going to provide free government-sponsored daycare for them. Don't worry about paying for your kids' college free. And, again, free is – it gets paid for somehow, but we're not going to charge you directly. Don't worry about saving for your kids' college education. We're going to give them two years of community college, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And – I, I think see, I, the problem is I think that creates this disincentive to work by having this government safety net. And to this point, you know, there's an interesting story. Montana, Montana is now saying to the federal government, the federal government continues to pay people what is it, three hundred and fifty or four hundred dollars a week in, in extra unemployment benefits. You know, as a result of the pandemic, Montana just went to the federal government saying, we don't want this money. Take it back, because the problem is we, we, we have all these jobs that we cannot fill. And part of the reason we believe that we can't fill them is because with this added money, people make as much money or almost as much money as they do working. So they're not working. So Montana is trying to say, we don't want this money. Take it back. You know, we we want people to have to work. Um, Jeff, I work construction. Every company I know is begging for employees. These are twenty to thirty dollar an hour jobs. We can't find um, people. Jeff, um, remember school choice when it started? Income limits, geography limits to allow the poor to get a quality education. Now look at it, and it means nothing. Everybody wants to have a free ride. Jeff, I think this is socialism. I think this is buying votes. Um, Let's see. Um, Jeff, if you take away the way the I did it, my parents did it without all the safety measures attitude, you may be able to look at it. Some people need these things. Well, I, I guess that, that that's what the question is. 
whose responsibility is it to provide for this? I mean, if if you've got kids, for example, is it your responsibility? And and again, I'm not talking about we're not talking about Head Start. We're not talking about you know some of the the programs for the most economically disadvantaged. I mean, whose responsibility is this? If you're making seventy five thousand dollars a year, for example, is it the taxpayers? Is it the government's responsibility to provide you with? Free daycare. And again, I'm not trying to insult people who say, well, it's not daycare. It's, you know, it's, it's universal pre-K for three-year-olds. I'm sure there's an educational component, too. But let's understand what the appeal is. The appeal is you don't have to stay home and take care of your kid. You don't have to pay a daycare provider to take care of the kid. You're, the federal government will take care of that. So, I mean, is, is that the government responsibility? 855 616 1620 is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, Jeff, I do think the middle class is rapidly shrinking, but the only thing I think government could do to help would be, like in Europe, to help people accurately evaluate their innate, innate gifts and talents and interests and then help them to obtain the necessary training to best apply them in the workplace. Jeff, I don't think this is a great subject. Isn't this, isn't this communism? Well, it's not quite, but it's, it's moving in that direction. Jeff, this is a product of all the government handouts. My fear is that we're on the verge of hyperinflation. You know, it's very easy to get $50,000 a year in government benefits. Why should people um, work? Um, Jeff, I'm a 21-year-old trucker. Huge shortage. And in my eyes, over $75,000 a year is decent money. Um, Well, right. I guess that's the question of this. Jeff, um, let's see. It should not be my responsibility to feed, clothe, and house other people's children. Well, yes and no. I guess the point is, at what point in time do you have to take responsibility for your own? Um, Jeff, why do we look upon helping people with getting by as a negative? I guess European countries must be all wrong. All right, that's an interesting point. Why do we look upon helping people with getting by as a negative? All right, well, the, the question is, th- does everybody, <clears throat> who, who does that? Where does the money come from to do that? And, and this is, again, this is the philosophy that you see in a number of European countries. It's the economic redistribution. We, we don't want... We, we don't want people to be able to have too much. So what we want to do is we want to take it away from the people who have more and we want to give it to people who have less, not just people who are in need, but but other people as well. People who could could pay for the daycare for their kids. But why should they have to do that? You know, we, this let's do that. This isn't about helping people in need. This is about saying, okay, you're making $145,000 a year, but still we're not going to make you save money to send your kid to college. We're just going to hear it. We're going to have somebody else pay for that. Lamar in Orlando. Lamar, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, great topic as usual. Um, I think... Okay, I think there's levels to assist it, right? And I think I do agree that the middle class is shrinking, and I think that the middle class, we, you know, we pay an over, uh, overabundance of the, the – we have a carry overabundance of the tax burden, right? And so things like – on one hand, I agree that, you know, this unemployment thing, because I run a small business now, is, is, is hurting the economy because it's a bit much. On the flip side, I think that um, uh, two-year, you know, two-year college is being free because we pay for – Edu- you know, K through 12 of education through our tax dollars. I think that's a good idea, and I think it would 
it would help you know help us help us out greatly as a nation because let's face it, uh, uh, student loans are very predatory. That's an entirely different conversation. So I think there's levels to this, and I think I get where conservatives, you know, agree that you know the government tends to go too far, and there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of disincentives. But I think that we need to have a you know have a, a conversation about that, you know. And so, but I think I think certain things are good ideas, and I think certain things are bad ideas. Like well, two-year college, good idea. The unemployment, bad idea. Well, Lamar, I mean, th- thanks for calling. I appreciate the perspective, and I guess I I that, that's one of the things I want to have this kind of conversation about this. And all right, now in, for example, let, let's let's talk about the the free community college. Joe Biden's plan is it, it, it is not means tested. By that I mean anybody, anybody who wants to go to the community colleges, and there, there's all sorts of details with this, and some community colleges in some states cost more than in other states and things like that. But it's not means-tested. So I guess this this would be my question. Why should somebody who's making $150,000 a year or somebody who's making $400,000 a year, why why should the government be be financing that person's kids' education? I mean, don't don't you think that? I mean, and this is a rhetorical question. You know, shouldn't we expect maybe the, those people to be able to afford their, their their own kids' college education? And for people, you know, lower income folks, that that's why you've got Pell grants and all these other things. And I, I agree, student loans are a completely different discussion. But it, it's this idea of we we used to expect people to take care of themselves especially you know once they reached a certain point now the the biden philosophy and the philosophy that i think a lot of people have is well you know we should we should do everything for everybody and then you know we'll we'll create this dependency on government we'll we'll take money away from people who have too much of it at least in our opinion and we'll give it to people who who don't have enough of it but where where do you where do you draw the line on that and that's i think what the issue and the thing that we have to confront moving forward nobody's talking about not helping people who are in need i guess the question is you know if if you're pulling in 150 grand a year do you need the government to pay for your child's daycare we discuss we we move on lots of stuff coming up in the next hour including all right some fairs are back will you go stick around Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I admit these news stories about Aaron Rodgers makes my head want to explode. The, 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 the last ones, well, you know, they, he, you know, he, they weren't, he was, was unhappy with like the money and the way they've structured it and things like that. I, I was just looking at something. Over the course of his career as a Packer, Aaron Rodgers has been paid by the team $240 plus million. $240 plus million. March 15th, they gave him a $6.8 million roster bonus. When he signed his four-year contract extension two years ago, they gave him, what, $40 plus million, you know, up front. Oh, I mean, please, please, WTMJ management, treat me with such disrespect. It's just, I guess it's just incredibly frustrating. And I understand athletes, you know, live in this kind of different world. But I, I always channel George C. Scott in the movie Patton, where you know, he would talk about just how he just, of all of all the different sins he had as as Patton, you know, ingratitude was not one of them. They, they paid, the Packers have paid this guy over $240 million, for goodness sakes. All right. I, I sent out this tweet last night, and I understand it is perhaps it links to a controversial story. But if you, if there's one article you read today, 
I, I would recommend this one, and it, because to me, it sort of explains a, a lot of stuff that I have legitimately been wrestling with. It's a piece that's in the Atlantic, which is is not a conservative publication at all, and it's called "The Liberals Who Can't Quit Lockdown." Now, over the last few weeks, I, I am I am I am a proponent of vaccines, and and I believe people should get vaccinated. But I understand there's some people who aren't. My philosophy has been and continues to be that now that essentially anybody who wants a vaccine can get one. Now you're you're kind of on on your own. And I think you should get a vaccine. But once you get vaccinated, I, I think you've you're pretty much if you look at the numbers, you're pretty much bulletproof. That that's just the reality of this. Is it possible that somebody who's gotten vaccinated can get covid? Um, yes, it, it's possible. But it's also possible that lightning's going to, to strike. And for most people. Even if you do get COVID, and even if you're one of those breakthrough sort of cases, for most people, it's not going to be a fatal situation. But more importantly, with the vaccines now, you have the opportunity to protect yourself. And to me, the incentive, the, the carrot that encourages people to get vaccine, get vaccination is, hey, once you've got this, you, you are essentially protected. You should be able to resume your normal life. And if you're one of those people who makes the decision not to get vaccinated, that is your decision. But you have to understand that you're going to be taking certain risks in that regard. But that's that's what life is all about. But I think it's way past time to start opening up this country, doing away with these requirements and the mask rules and things like that. And I wasn't anti-mask. I, I wasn't back in the day. But now there's less and less justification for this. But there's a hardcore group out of people out there, and, and I hear from you all the time, who who aren't willing to give up the, the COVID, you know, pandemic concerns. And, and I hear this all the time. It's, well, don't you understand that it, it's still possible that somebody, even if they've been vaccinated, could, could get sick. And then it's possible that they could get sick, not know it, and then go out and have contact with somebody else who's been vaccinated, and that person could still get sick. Now, we understand the odds of this happening are like the meteor crashing you know, down and, and landing on your house, but nevertheless, it's this possibility. But of course, there's always possibilities. Every time you get in your car in the morning and drive to work or drive to the grocery store, there is a chance that... I don't know your car is going to blow up or somebody's going to run through a red light and, and hit you. There, there's, there are no guarantees in life. It's all about reasonably managing risks. But there are some people out there who just refuse to to even acknowledge the fact that, you know, we're, we're coming out of the pandemic and the vaccines, you know, should give you the ability to go back and resume normal life. And it's interesting because this piece in The Atlantic breaks this down about politics. And it's kind of fascinating because for the last year, I have heard, oh, the, the reason why we've had this pandemic, it's all been Trump's fault. And it's all been those evil Republicans who've refused to follow the science and refused to wear their masks and all that stuff, and they have perpetuated. And we you know we've listened to this, and maybe there's some merit to it, maybe there's not. But now what you're seeing is the flip side. And it's in many cases, it's the uber-liberals who are part of this, the cult of the overcautious, people who just refuse to to go back and be willing to live a normal life. Let me share a portion of this piece with you. And like I say, I, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. It, it's really a very interesting 
read. All right. Um, liberals who can't quit the lockdown. Progressive communities have been home to some of the fiercest battles over COVID-19 policies, and some liberal policymakers have left scientific evidence behind, which is the point I've been making all along. We've been told to follow the science, but now when the science supports living your own life, we're told you can't do that. Lurking among the jubilant Americans venturing back out to bars and planning their summer wedding travel is a different group, liberals who aren't quite ready to let go of pandemic restrictions. For this subset, diligence against COVID-19 remains an expression of political identity, even when that means overestimating the disease's risks or setting limits far more strict than what public health guidelines permit. In surveys, Democrats express much more worry about the pandemic than Republicans do. People who describe themselves as very liberal are distinctly um, anxious. Last year, when the pandemic was raging and scientists and public health officials were trying to understand how the virus spread, extreme care was warranted. People all over the country made enormous um, sacrifices. But it's a different story now about progressives who've stressed scientific evidence before and then have veered away for it. For many progressives, extreme vigilance was part about opposing Donald Trump. Some of this reaction was built from deeply felt frustration with how he handled the pandemic. Some could also be knee-jerk. If Trump said, keep the schools open, well, then we were going to do everything in our power to keep the schools closed. Um, if Trump said... You know, you you don't need to wear a mask. Then the attitude was, well, no, you really need to wear three masks. The spring of 2021 is different from the spring of 2020, though. Scientists know a lot more about how COVID-19 spreads and how it doesn't. Public health advice is shifting, but progressives have not updated their behavior based on this new information. And in their eagerness to protect themselves and others, they may be underestimating other costs. It goes on and on. But it is a fascinating read, which points out, again, a point that I've been making. For, for a year, we've been told, follow the science. And now the science says, hey, if you're vaccinated, the, the, the odds of getting it again are slim to none. And the odds of passing it on are even less than that. So why can't we begin to live our own lives again? Why can't we go to American Family Field and sit next to people if we're comfortable with that? Instead of this, well, don't you know, you, you could still get it. You could still pass it on. Well, yeah, there, there's a possibility of that. But like I say, there's a possibility that when you're driving to work, somebody can blow through the intersection, hit and kill you. That doesn't mean that we don't ride car in cars. And then you get some of the silliness that's out there. For example, the CDC, which has been, in my opinion, woefully behind the science. CDC came out with a guidance um, a couple days ago for summer camps, and it recommends that even while outdoors, now we know that outdoors, COVID does not spread as a, as a general rule. That's why we've had all, remember all they had all the demonstrations and a year ago we had the voting and everybody said, oh, this is going to be a super spreader event, and it typically doesn't. Well, all right, the CDC for summer camps is now still recommending that even while outdoors, masks be worn by everyone over the age of two, regardless of vaccination status. Um, even Anthony Fauci, when questioned about this, says, well, um, I don't know about the science of this, but it does seem to be overly strict. My point is we, we need to recognize that, I mean, COVID's a big deal. I understand all that. But at the same time, 
we, we also can't be part of the, the cult of the overcautious. And we need to recognize the reality that's out there that once, you know, once you've been vaccinated, it, it, it's time to start living, in my opinion, your, your own life. And this idea that, okay, everything has to be wiped down. Well, we, we now recognize that, all right, that's not how COVID-19 spreads. Now, if you want to continue to sanitize your workplaces and keep wiping stuff down, I guess that doesn't hurt. If you're one of those people that go to the grocery store and you come home with your bag of groceries and you pull out the Lysol wipe and you want to wipe off the bag, okay, that that's all right. It's not hurting anything by, by doing that, I guess. But at the same time, don't we need to recognize that what the science really is, what the numbers really are, say that it's time to start living our lives. And I think it is interesting that just like it's fair to argue that you had some conservatives who maybe weren't appreciating the significance of this because of political beliefs early on, now you've got a lot of liberals who aren't appreciating the fact that, okay, the science has now moved on, and, and maybe it's time to recognize that, all right, there's not that much of a danger to a lot of this stuff. Get yourself vaccinated. Go live your life. Or at least let other people go live their life. And if you want to stay in the basement, all right, stay in the basement. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff, one of my wife's friends fits this never-ending mask mode to a T. Her entire family was vaccinated and even stopped going to church all because of the masks. The individual is educated but will not follow the science, even though that's all we heard her say during the pandemic. There are people who don't want it to end. Yeah, that's that's why, again, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. And I, I understand there's people out there who are deniers. Oh, I don't want to hear this. Don't you understand that the world is going to end? Well, again, it, part of this, I... I, it's it's politics. I'm convinced about this, that there's this, this knee-jerk reaction that was out there that we were told that, hey, since Donald Trump didn't take this seriously enough, our reaction has to be that we, we now need to be on the other extreme, and they're not willing to let this go, which is fine. That's why I continue to believe that for the, the next several decades there's going to be a percentage of people who aren't going to go out in public and period or if they go out in public they're going to be wearing masks with the visors and all those sort of things and that's fine that's a decision that they're going to make and that that's all good but for everybody else time to get back and live your life which brings me to the next story i want to discuss nothing virtual the washington county fair is returning this summer new activities traditional favorites nothing virtual the fair is scheduled for the Washington County Fairgrounds July 20th to the 25th. They've got country bands that are there. Um, along with that, Gathering on the Green, which is a big music festival that they do um, up in, in Mequon, they've announced that they are back. Country star Trace Atkins is going to headline on July 9th. Uh, Cheap Trick is going to be there on July 10th. They say, hey, we're, we're going to practice some degree of social distancing. But you know what? We, we've decided that um, it's... It's time to get back to normal. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand, and I have not been critical of event organizers who've made the decision that they, they think there's too much uncertainty. I get it. That's a decision they make. But I think there's incredible pent-up demand, whether it's Wisconsin State Fair or Summerfest, if that's able to happen, or Gathering on the Green or the Washington County State Fair or all these other different festivals that were put on hold last year. 
I think people feel safe. I think people are ready to go back. And I don't think there's any reason why these events should not be incredibly successful. And my guess is they will be. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Will you be going? Washington County Fair, or maybe it's you don't live in Washington County, some other, your county decides it's going to have the fair, are you going to go? If your community, in this case we're talking about you know gathering on the green in Mequon, your community decides to have an event, are you going to go? If your community says, you know what, we're, we're having a fireworks show. You know, that 4th of July, we're staging fireworks in the public park and we are inviting folks to come on out, we're going to do it like normal all right, will you, in fact, go? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm ready. How about you? We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tim in Wauwatosa. Tim, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, my wife and I had just been discussing this as a, if you could give us back one thing in this whole pandemic give us back some music festivals that's the one thing i think we missed the most we have we have uh yearly passes to country thunder down near the border in lake geneva and and then it's a go so we are on board I, I really feel that um there can be some happy medium in that if you want to wear a mask and you want to protect yourself by all means have at it for those of us that have had a vaccine and that we feel like i i practice safe yeah, standing you know, next to someone on a reasonable distance, I I don't need to wear a mask if I don't really want to. I guess I yeah. There's a medium. There's a medium in between, and I feel like it doesn't like you said. It doesn't need to be all the way one one side, and it doesn't need all the way to the other. However, I don't know how you're going to allow some to right. not wear a mask and others, you know, right, right exactly. That need to. No, no, thanks. For, well, and I think I think what you're seeing is that that people think people are are recognizing that it's time to move on. They, they've they've done the responsible thing. They've been vaccinated, or they're they're willing to take the risk. We flatten the curve. We're not overwhelming the hospital system here. Jeff, you hit the nail on the head. It's going to go on for decades, and yes, COVID's going to be with us for decades. I think that's just the reality. It's a virus. Um, this won't be the last uh, pandemic. I'm vaccinated, and um, I'm ready to live life normally. Fair food and cheap trick. I'm in. Glenn Field. Glenn, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking Hi, my call. Hi, Glenn. So being in the part-time industry, entertainment industry, doing production for corporate events, bands, festivals, etc., you know, it's really a huge missing in not only to our enjoyment in life, mm-hmm. but our financials as well. So yeah. we can't wait to get back out there and work. And, and do you feel it's unsafe? You don't feel it's unsafe, do you? No, I do not. I do not. I, I pretty much had to work every day um, since this all happened. Um, haven't done much different other than some of the protocols you have to take in certain places. But I mm. do every day like I've done any other day the rest of my life. Yeah, no, I, I think, thanks for calling. I, I think more and more people are that way. Jeff, I'm going to be at any festival. I can even remotely fit in my schedule. I have a missed year to make up for. I'm very grateful for anyone brave enough to put on a, a festival, um, this year. Uh, Jeff, I lean to the left, but I've gotten my vaccinations. I'm off to the Indy 500 on the 30th. Well, you've got that situation there as well so and then i got i other people and i'm i'm hearing from them it's like no we we can't 
Don't you realize there might be variants? Don't you realize that somebody from India might be coming in? Don't you realize there's a possibility somewhere, sometime, that there might be something that breaks through this vaccine? And, and that's how they're going to live their lives. I get it. Those are the folks that I think they're talking about as the cult of the overcautious. But that's fine. If that's how you want to live your life, live your life that way. But the rest of us, it's time, at least in my opinion, to start resuming normal life. And that's what the science would say. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll find out what John McCure has on his mind for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.